That's a serious song right there. Like, it really sounds pretty to sing, but do you actually believe what you're saying? Because <laughs> when, when, when the stuff hits the fan this week, I want you to be singing that song. I want to be dried by fire, purified. <laughs> oh, hey, Greg, do you want to come share about... Greg's going to give us an update on the uh, Mitchell Nielsen reading day that several of us got to participate in. Good morning. Okay, here's, here's the thumbnail update. The reading day happened, right? <laughs> That's no minor thing. Like, I want to I wanna underline, it's like sometimes the things that we, we do in service, in love, in, in honor of God, uh, can feel a little bit anticlimactic. I mean, I'd love to hear from some of the others who participated, but, you know, we showed up. Selected books, went into the classrooms, read, put our books back, and went on with our day, right? And um, I don't think in any traditional sense uh, people would look on that from the outside and say like, wow, that was ministry, right? That was, we preached the gospel and... um, you know, great things were happening for God's kingdom. I want to ask you to fix your eyes on what is unseen and what's going on in this church family's life. Um, The God who is at work in us is at work in the families of Mitchell Nielsen. And we meet God there in these small acts of service and we begin to build relationships that, God willing, will come to fruition in all kinds of ways that we haven't even thought to ask. We can't even imagine. Um, and, and God is faithful in that. I'm so thankful for everybody who volunteered. We had 15 readers uh, from this church, this, this church family. Um, we were, uh, so Mitchell Nielsen, the, the system there has an elementary school, and then across the street they have a kindergarten and first grade separate um, building. We were the only volunteers for the elementary school. We covered everything that they wanted to do for National Reading Day in that school. And they referred to us in the, in the email as our church team, right? Our church team. Um, God is doing something here, and, and I I ask you to pray with me as we strain to, to see and to hear what God is up to, uh, because I'm confident, as Paul says, that the God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, and it, it's a long journey, and I'm so excited about it. We're going to be in relationship with these teachers and staff members and janitors and and everyone working at this school for a long time, we're going to be in relationship with these children for the years that they work through their elementary education in right here in our neighborhood. And this was a big first step. And so I praise God. I thank God because a door was opened not so long ago. We prayed for it, and we took the first step through. And now I believe God's calling us to faithfulness, to persistence, and, um, and to continue loving as Jesus loves. Um, so thank you all. 
Um, I would like to pray, if that's okay. Just just pray briefly for... <laughs> Lord, our prayer begins with thanks. It just has to. I mean, we have to celebrate um, a moment of victory, a small victory, but a victory nonetheless in in rallying our time and energy and, and, and our will and bringing it to bear to meet a need that this school asked for. And for we thank you for giving us the privilege of being their church team and for just, just in small ways stepping forward in these relationships, um, getting to know the teachers a little bit more, becoming a little bit more familiar for the kids, walking the hallways and sitting in those classrooms and listening to us. I want to thank you for the gifts and talents that were expressed in every one of the readers. Father, that's your grace at work in their lives. And um, I just, I, I recognize that, and I want our praise here this morning as it continues to be rooted in the recognition of what you're doing and that work that's not only in us, but in them, in all of us together. We pray your kingdom come, Father, your will on earth as it is in heaven, in Murfreesboro as it is in heaven, in this school system as it is in heaven. We pray for what you want and that we might be faithful participants for years to come in what you want for this community. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Better hold it out here. You never know with these microphones. Let me read this real quick. I can find it. To sort through... Uh, da, 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 da. If I can't find it in the next couple seconds. Oh, no, there we go. Just wanted to read also that um, the food, the coffee, the juice, we did that on Monday. Uh, she wrote uh, this little message. We're really nice surprise to staff, and boy, did they need it. Exclamation. Every sentence has an exclamation point at the end of it here. Uh, good morning with the giant exclamation points. Thank you very much. Truly, uh, this pick-me-up served them well. So they were really, really happy. And then she talked about uh, our church team she was looking forward to because we hadn't yet read that. So isn't that awesome? Aren't you all, is it, that's exciting, right? Come on. You know what I love about the um, Mitchell-Nilson reading part? Is that oftentimes churches, because I know, because I've sold stuff to schools forever, and I know a lot of administration, uh, oftentimes churches come and they have like their agenda, like we want to do this. We want to do this backpack thing, or we want to do this or that. This was one thing that we, like we've done some things, but they like, we need this. Can you help us with this? And I think that's probably something where they're going to go, that's interesting, (laughs) that they come and they gave to our need. And I think that's awesome. So that's going to be help. That's going to be part of what we'll talk about today. Y'all want to turn to, frog in my throat, Romans chapter 12. As you do, the women had an amazing event, I think, this weekend at the IF gathering, right? That didn't sound, that sounded mildly amusing. That didn't sound amazing. (laughs) Um, So, you know whenever you learn things and begin to put them into practice, one of the best ways for you to retain it and to continue doing it is to teach it to others, to share it with others, right? So next week, I'm going to ask any of the ladies that would like to share something that they learned. You come talk to me as soon as you know. I'll have Larissa send an email out, but I would, we would love to hear. I wanted to give like a one-week buffer zone because I know some ladies, I know Megan McKenzie, I know Diane, they'll grab that mic and they're ready to go. 
There's other ladies. Selena's not here, so I can pick on her. She'd be like, John. Oh, well. Hey, Selena. John, I need, I, need, I need a second to think about this. And that's okay. So I wanted it to be for all the ladies that uh, would like to share something. So that will be next week. We're going to let the ladies share um, what's on their heart. So please just see me so that I can think about how much time that will be and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Do we have any of the ladies that are like, you know, some of the dudes here can talk forever when they get the microphone. I'm not going to mention any names. But I don't think our ladies really are like that too much, are they? Look, everyone was dead silent because they were thinking of Anna's pointing at her mom. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. That was, that was ruthless. That was cold. That was cutthroat. Wow. All right. Speaking of cutthroat, let's talk about sacrifice right now. How do you like that segue? All right. So I've called this uh, message on the altar together because I think that oftentimes when we read Romans chapter 12, I've heard many messages and taught many messages on maybe even just the first two verses and didn't think about the context surrounding what Paul is talking about here. And I think it becomes even deeper, and I think it's very practical for where we're at right now. All right? You excited? Let's go, man. Let's do it. All right. Before I read any part of Romans chapter 12, I want to briefly mention Romans 11, because in chapter 12 he says, I appeal to you, therefore... Meaning, how would you like to speak in front of people or write a letter or do a podcast and they just t- cut a snippet and they cut you right when you said, therefore? You'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, I said that for a reason. You need to go back and listen to the rest of what I said. You might make me, you know, sound crazy or anything or whatever. So we need to very briefly look at Romans 11 and I could get on a huge bunny trail here, but let's just go high level of what Paul's talking about here. In Romans 11, Paul talks about how Israel had a hardening that came upon their heart. Not all Israel. He talks about there is a remnant, including Paul's self, right? Paul is a Jewish messianic. He believes that Jesus was the Messiah, and yet he's Jewish. And he ha- as, they, as the harden has come upon their hearts, it was a celebration to the Gentiles, to us, right? To say, because God opened up the door for us, a wide open door, through the Spirit, for us to have full access to his kingdom, to his family, to be part of this amazing kingdom of God, all right? And yet, then Paul says, hey, Gentiles, don't get arrogant about that. Apparently, so whenever this was written, there's a good chance there was an expulsion of the Jews in Rome around that time, and then a few years later, they came back. So Paul's probably also dealing with some Jewish-Gentile relationships here, but he's like, Gentiles, you better not get arrogant. Better not be around. Well, man, those Israelites, the Jewish people, they just screwed it up. You know, we've got it now. Those guys stink, you know. No, he actually says instead of that, the Gentiles should love God so hard and become so obedient that it makes the Israel jealous for God. And he's writing about this amazing story of this hardening and this accepting and this, this, this jealousy and this mercy that God is pouring out. And in the midst of this, at, towards the end of chapter 11, I could sense if, if Paul was writing this or articulating, dictating it to somebody, almost him weeping as he thinks about the story of God and then he breaks out into the, uh, to what many of us know as, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom. I could just see him not into tears of knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments? How inscrutable his ways? 
for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he can be repaid. Like, he is just overwhelmed with this story that God is breaking out and overwhelmed with the fact that the Gentiles are in and how we're supposed to operate. And it's just like, God is so good and his wisdom and his knowledge and all these things are so incredible. Man, I bet he wept as he read that. And then he says, therefore. So therefore, in light of this unfolding narrative that God has throughout history and where they're at right now, he's telling the Romans, therefore, you have something to do about this story. You're, you're in this story. You're part of this story. He's writing to people who are Gentiles, and I'm sure there are Gentiles and Jewish people here in Rome when he's doing this. You're part of this story. But what, what's his appeal? What's his appeal in light of this incredible story that God is releasing to these people? He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, to, sorry, I haven't memorized a different way, by the, mer- by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I'll stop there for a second. His appeal is, first of all, through God's mercy. And if you read the end of Romans chapter 11, he is talking about how incredibly merciful God is. How merciful God is towards the Gentiles, how merciful God is towards Israel. It's just, it's just incredible. I'll just say, just as, in uh, 1130, just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy. It's, it's easy to forget God's mercy, isn't it, sometimes? I, I, I hate that. I wish I could say that, that wasn't the case, but there's times when I'm like, Man, I forgot how merciful you are towards me, God. How many stupid things I've done and how many stupid things I continue to do, and yet your mercies are, are new every morning. It's, um, they received mercy because of their disobedience. To, uh, yeah. So they have now been disobedient in order that by mercy shown to you, they may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all things in disobedience so that he may be merciful to all. God's desire is to be merciful to all. And there's this crazy thing that's going on. Man, sorry, I can't go into that. That would be so much fun. But he's saying in light of that mercy, therefore because of God's unfolding story, that you and I, or the Romans, which we can apply to us, are called to do something that is really strange, be a living sacrifice. Like, what 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 do you mean, Paul? And I think for some of us, the idea of sacrifice is not as in our face as it might have been during their time, whenever they actually probably saw sacrifices being made. When I went to Israel, I went up and we saw, you know the Samaritans still sacrifice. Do you guys know that? Because they believe that um, they're, uh, they're supposed to worship on Mount Gerizim. So they, the Samaritans, we watched them because it was going to be Passover in about a month or so. So we watched the holes being dug in the ground, and they were, like, preparing to sacrifice. Go look it up. You can see it. And it became super real to me. I was like, wow, okay. And these lambs or whatever they're sacrificing, the sacrifice is brought, and the sacrifice is just, it doesn't really have a choice, I don't, <laughs> does it? I guess you could fight back if you want, but it ain't, it ain't, ain't any good. And the sacrifice is laid there. And I was so deeply impacted because I realized whenever I, when I thought about this and I thought that these people would have been thinking about, no doubt, the sacrifices that Israel made to God. And you see those phrases like holy and acceptable to God. And it reminds us of, of when God, they would offer the sacrifice and they would say, this is a pleasing offering, a fragrance to God. And all that's probably popping around in their mind. And when I think about this, I recognize the sacrifice was not about it wasn't for the sacrifice, it was for others. Why was the sacrifice given? 
for others. It was for Israel when it was given. It was to, uh, to cleanse the people from their sins, or maybe it was a free will offering or whatever. But the sacrifice was laid down, not for itself. It was laid down for others. That's, that's the case. And so Paul says, okay, in light of all this story and the mercies of God, now you become sacrifice. And when he's saying, therefore you, therefore you brothers or brothers and sisters, He's talking to y'all, right? I mean, we, we need to understand that. And that's why I call this on the altar together, because, yes, we have to think about it individually to participate as a community. But he's saying as a community, y'all are called to lay down on an altar. And yet this weird twist that he says that many of us have probably meditated on a lot, it's a living sacrifice. So what does that mean, you know? Well, sometimes I think being a living sacrifice might be harder than being a dead sacrifice. <laughs> Anyone ever thought that? <clears throat> no, I mean, maybe, maybe some of y'all are like, nah, I don't know. But hey, Jared, life gets hard sometimes, and yeah, I mean, you, you never stop. You got to keep it going. So what does it look like for us as a family, as a community? What does it look like for us to lay down for each other and for our community and live our lives like, it's, there's a million, I guess, things I could say at the moment, but I'm going to let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Like, think about it. Like, what, what does it look like in our lives, in your life and our lives, to say, you know what? We are completely laid down to what God's desire is to do for us. So if God says, go read some books to some kids at Mitchell Nelson, and we go, well, God, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know. Will that do any good? We say, well, okay, you said to go do it. Let's go do it. If he says to do a budget class and it gets canceled the day of, then we say, okay. And I, I love what Greg said. My favorite thing that he said last week was when he talked about faithfulness versus outcomes and the hyper-focus that so much of us in our society get on the outcomes that we don't recognize God has called us to faithfulness. If we just focused on the outcomes, Jesus' ministry would have been a complete failure. I mean, he's on the cross and everyone's running pretty much. <laughs> John's there. But, like, it's a, it's a disaster. It looks like a disaster at that point in time anyways. But when you, when you focus on faithfulness, outcomes do come. But the, you understand the difference. Can you think of the difference on that? I'll talk about that here in a little bit. I also thought when it came to sacrifice, I recognized how in our culture, all, all of us do sacrifice, right? We do. But in, in the United States, because we're so isolated and so, like, our immediate family-centric, we have usually not that much of a problem, fo like, sacrificing for our immediate family. Truth. Like, how many of us, we don't even think of it as a sacrifice. Like, we're just like, how many of us work hard for our kids, <laughs> for our spouse, <laughs> you know, for our parents, and, I mean, we're working hard and we're doing these things. And, like, yeah, it's hard sometimes and it stinks, but would we ever stop? Would we ever be like, well, my kids ain't worth it? I don't know, sometimes. Like, I don't know. Look at my wife gave me a crazy look. I would never think that, baby. It was a joke. Of course my kids are worth it, right? But I imagine this, this, this sacrifice being what Jesus' sacrifice was, a willing sacrifice, 
a sacrifice where we follow in Jesus' footsteps. And even though we know that it's going to be hard because of our love for God and our love for people, we willingly lay ourselves there. We're not going to the altar. That's what I've been praying to God. I want to go, I mean, I don't want to go, God, oh, I want to be able to have so much love for God and for people in my heart that I say, of course I'm going to do that. Why would I not do that? Just like I would for my kids. Of course I'm going to work so that they can have food on the table. Of course I'm going to take them to baseball practice if they, well, not anymore. Robotics class, whatever they call it, club. Right, Jonah? Is he still here? I don't know. He probably isn't even paying attention. He's probably so, he's back there. That's my son. He's probably so involved in whatever that is back there that he has no idea what I'm saying. (laughs) There he goes. (laughs) He's just waving. All right, cool. But a willing sacrifice, a sacrifice that says, yes, we want to, like, when we begin to, uh, God has been wrecking me this week and lately about how selfish I am. And as much as I, like, think that I'm not, like, he's wrecking me with this idea of a sacrifice dies for others. Or here, a living sacrifice dies and lives for others. And how much I still have inside of me this me, 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 me that, that, that's pulling at me. That's pulling at me. And what does it look like to be totally transformed, which is the next uh, verse, but I guess I will mention that it says this is your spiritual worship or reasonable service. That reasonable word is where we get logic from. So like this is, this idea of laying our lives as a sacrifice before God, this is, this is what it means to serve and worship Jesus. This is it. <laughs> this is what it means to follow him. It's not a service. It's not a one-time-a-week thing. It's not a song. It is a lifestyle of being laid down and yielded to what God wants to do in our lives. And in light of all that, he says in verse 2, so now do not, and it makes perfect sense, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The idea of laying yourself on the altar is totally opposite to the way the world churns and burns right? I mean, completely. I've said this before, I'll say it again, just go look at the marketing. (laughs) It's all about me, 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 me. And so how do we live that lifestyle? Well, we have to, there's a process even, and that's okay. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. There's a process of renewing our minds to the ways of God, because it's like, it feels like Oftentimes, you ever feel like when you begin to walk with Jesus and his ways and you hear these things and he's like, pray for your enemy, uh, pray for those who persecute you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and give you know, someone a coat, uh, give them another coat if they ask for a coat and all this crazy stuff. It almost feels like you're swimming upstream, like, this is not how I was made, and then yet it's because of the fall, and then yet when you begin to live in it, you begin to go, wait, hold up a second, maybe this is how I'm supposed to be alive. Like, th- I bet there were some people this week myself included. Was I just jacked up about going to Mitchell Nielsen? I wasn't. You know what I mean? I was excited about the opportunity and to serve, but I didn't go in going, I can't wait to read to kids. And when I left, I was like, that was awesome. I'm just being honest. Like, you ever get to where you like go and serve and do something and you're like, why was I not super excited about that? And if I go back and I think about last week, that was a highlight of my week. I did all kinds of things. And I'm like, man, that 15 minutes there with those students was absolutely amazing. And it's like this process of us dying to self and beginning to walk in these kingdom ways, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves more alive than we were at the beginning. And we're like, wow, this is an entirely new way to live. 
And yet, at first, sometimes it takes us a little bit to start trusting and stepping out of faith and going, okay, Jesus, let's just, let's trust your ways. I'm reading this book, and it was given to me because I got in, started getting into real estate, but it's applicable, and even church groups read it and different things like that. But the whole premise is it starts off with a guy who just wants to hit his quota, got to hit my quota, got to hit my quota. I don't know if any of y'all have been a salesperson. I have. That is not the fun part of it. <laughs> got to hit that bad boy. You know what I'm saying, Nick? And you're just like, you're going at it and you're trying to do this, and he couldn't do it, and he's introduced to this, to this guy. By the way, you guys know that all these Hollywood stories are formulaic, right? A guy meets or a gal meets a guide every single time, like Yoda or someone, and that guide helps them become who they need to be. It's like in every, just start, you'll never change. When, I mean, you'll, you'll see it all the time whenever you're reading it. Anyways, but he meets a guide that is super wealthy, unbelievably wealthy, has a mansion, all this kind of stuff, has been wildly successful. And he's willing to teach his principles of success to this guy. And his principles are basically be the most incredible giver you can possibly be and live a lifestyle of giving away. And that doesn't just mean financially. It means sitting down with someone that's hurting. It means just listening to your spouse for a second when he or she's had a rough day at work instead of going, oh, Lord, I don't want to hear this again. <laughs> it means reading to kids whenever, I don't know, like I just feel like God tells me to, told us to go read to kids, so let's go, let's go do it. And in the process of that, this guy goes around to all these CEOs and stuff, and they're all incredibly, it's, they're incredibly wealthy because of their giving. And what, the reason I mention that is because this guy has such a hard time understanding that paradigm because it's so foreign to him. And then when he begins to believe it and do it, everything changes. And I think that, there's that, that, I think that that's how it works with the kingdom. I think whenever we begin to lay ourselves on the altar, when we begin to dive into this word, that's how we renew our minds. We begin to dive in and we begin to live it out. We begin to read the Sermon on the Mount and go, okay, if I look at a woman in lust, that's adultery. I, I'm not going to do that. Like, I want to live in this place where I love my wife so much I would never do something like that. God, work. And we just begin to live this thing out. Then all of a sudden we're like, this is how we were made to live. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Jesus' life wasn't easy. But Jesus' life impacted us today, too. That's crazy. Billions of people. So he calls us to be transformed, not conformed, because he knows that the way the world does things is not the way of his kingdom. But why did, he says, for, uh, transform by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He's saying, Roman community, you need to learn how to discern what God wants as a family. Like, as you're, having, as you're laying yourselves on the altar and you're being conformed to my standard, transformed to my ways instead of conformed to the world's ways, you have a job, and that is to discern what God's doing. In light, and think about this whole passage. In light of the story of God, in light of what God's doing, we lay ourselves down, we renew our minds, and we discern what God is doing. And I love that because I think that we're growing as a community in that. Don't you guys think so? Together? Like, together. Look, this is what's so beautiful about this. I, be real. I can, I can go to, and I've been a part of, and I've led uh, um, churches where the pastor says, this is what God's telling us to do, let's go. And you get on the boat or you get off the boat, right? This is one of the first times I felt a community together go, let's pray together and discern what God's will is together. 
I mean, we're at Mitchell Nielsen not because I said let's go to Mitchell Nielsen or John or Ben or Greg said let's go to Mitchell Nielsen. We're going to Mitchell Nielsen because we prayed hard and Megan talked about Mitchell Nielsen and Lauren had a connection and all these different things. And we just, as a family, discerned, okay, God, we think this is where you're taking us. And then we took a step of faith. Paul's saying that's what we're supposed to do as a community. We are to discern what God's will is. And then he goes on and, and says, For by the grace given to me, I say that everyone among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So in order for us to continue to grow as family and continue to participate in what God's calling us to do, there's this element of humility, but not false humility that we're called to. There's this false humility like, well, I'm just terrible and I can't do anything and my gifts aren't any good. That's bogus. Like, like Moses was called the most humble person in the world and he stood up to Pharaoh. <laughs> What's the difference? Moses wasn't like, look at me and look what I can do. Moses was like, God's got me. I can't do it, but, I'm gonna, I'll, but I'll stand up and I'll be bold and I'll do what he calls me to do. That's real humility. And he's saying that that's, that that's what we're called to. And here's the thing. Some of us have no problem with humility or no problems, not as big of uh, thinking of ourselves more highly, except for when we get to, and I'm guilty of this, the gifts that God's given us. Because we're going to read about that in that part of the body. And it's so easy, I know I've mentioned this before, to think your gift is the most important. Come on, let's be real, right? I, I've fallen super into that trap. Probably I've tripped into that trap a thousand times. And I'm trying to get out, trying to not do that anymore. Like, if your gift is hospitality, you know, man, no one else is hospitable, and I can't believe that, and, you know, you get all frustrated, and everyone's got to be hospitable. And, yes, there's some element of truth that we all need to grow in these, right? Like, there's no doubt <laughs> that, hey, if we're not hospitable at all, that's probably not being super Christ-like. Or, man, uh, I'm hyper-evangelistic, and no one's out there doing anything. I'm the one, only one doing it. I'm going out and talking to all these people. I can't believe so-and-so, and no one will do it, and we get frustrated. But the thing is, is Paul's going to call us on the altar together and to live life where we're actually honoring each other's gifts in a beautiful way as we're on mission with God. And that's one thing that I'm super excited about us here is that I've been a part of churches where the pastor has said, this is the mission and we're, and we're going. And we have this mission to go plant all these churches, do these things. But I didn't feel like we were doing it communally together, really. It was more of like, here's like the leaders. And if you want to serve, you can serve that. On the flip side, I've been part of communities that were super deep communally, and we cared about the gifts of each other and stuff, but we weren't really on mission with God. And, I, and my heart would be, that's what I long for, and that's what is so exciting about what I think we're on the you know, cusp of doing is like coming together as an intimate community, as a body, why we're listening to God and why we're making mistakes and tripping up here and there, but we're saying, no, we're going to do this and seeing that combination of the two, and that, I just get super excited. I get super excited. I also think it's really interesting that at the end of that verse 3 that I just read, he says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. That's not fair. He just said God doesn't give everyone the same amount of faith. That's what he just said. <laughs> he just says that you got to, it's like a measuring rod is that word. Like you have this measure, Greg has this measure, Jared has this measure, Mike and Lisa, like you have these different measures. The, the point is not how much you have per se, it's what you do with what you have. Like, we could go back to the parable of talents and be like, well, I didn't get five. I only got one. And God's like, well, you proved why I only gave you one because you didn't do much with that. 
But on the flip side, James says, hey, not all y'all should want to be teachers because you actually are held to a stricter judgment. So if God gives you more faith, more gifting, God's actually going to hold you more liable for those gifts, as Spider-Man says, with great gifts comes great responsibility. Where's Burnsy at? He's not here today. Dang it. I mentioned Marvel, and he's not even here. John Mueller's all about that, though. (laughs) But this is truth. And so he goes on to say in verse 4 that as in one body we have many members, not all are members of this, are the, are, have the same function. So we have to understand that. I know we've read it a hundred times. I know so many of us have read this passage a lot. But I, I just felt like we just need to think about this practically. And us recognize that we all in this room even, though we're part of Christ's larger body, we don't have the same gifts. We don't. I don't have the same gifts as Jared. Maybe some of them. Right? So we who are many are one body in Christ, and I love this ending here of this sentence, and individually we are members of one another. That's, I just stop and think about that for a second. Like Paul saying like you have different gifts, we're not all the same, but we are members of one another whether we like it or not. Whether we like, I'm trying to think of names that people don't, aren't here. And all I'm thinking of people that are here, so I'm just going to stop before I, I have a problem with getting my foot in my mouth. Everyone knows, so I'm just going to, I'm going to pause here. I, that's right. I have a trouble with that member of my body. My foot just wants to go into my mouth all the time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, even if we don't like Dean Dunning very much. <laughs> Dean's a great friend, so I guess... <laughs> We're still members with Dean Dunning, okay? I love it. In verse 6 it says, we're me- I mean, verse 5 says we're members of one another. Then it says, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So God has graced us or empowered us all with gifts. And there's other passages that we could look at. But I just focus on where it says, in prophecy, in proportion to faith, in ministry, in ministering, in teacher, in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. But again, it goes back to what he says in proportion to the faith, to faith is I want us to ask ourselves, what are we doing with, what are we doing with the gifts? And, and I want to ask you, how are you using it in this community? I'm going to be specific in this community of faith. Because if we're part of a faith community together, we should be using our gifts to you think you think paul would say that <laughs> now not isolated to only stones river obviously there's a bigger kingdom but like how 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 right so i would i would encourage you to actually spend some time this week writing down the giftings that god's given you no and don't and not to and pr- be prayerful about it to think about it and ask the lord and just begin to think through, cause, and don't say, oh, I didn't got no gifts. That's, that's a lie from Satan. I'll just, that's a lie. What are the gifts that he's given? And then, practically, how am I using those in, in, with our, within this community? And maybe if you're not, start to dream with God for how you can be. How can you be using those gifts? If you have a strong prophetic voice, and you're like, man, this is where we're going to go, and God's saying go, like, how are we using? You don't have to do it like that. Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, good. <laughs> Greg's like, you could. Greg's going to get up here. Just wait till I'm done with my message. But how am I using that with, within, the, within this community to build the community up? Because this, it's all about us doing this together. And as we do this together and we go out into the world and we go out into our city, I'm just, I'm excited and I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled at what God is doing and what God will continue to do. And my encouragement as I end here is as we go to work tomorrow, as we go to uh, our schools tomorrow. See, Seth and I played disc golf with a couple guys that weren't believers this week. And we had this, set in his truck and we went, are we different than anyone else? Like, I don't know, we just had this real conversation. Like, when they went and played disc golf with us, did they leave going, what's different about those guys? I don't know. Like, and, and, and I don't want to be different to be different. I want to be different because I'm genuinely allowing Christ to work in me. And, like, that's where God's like, like are there those little things? Like, how, you, you go to work tomorrow and you go grab coffee. You ever think, well, maybe I should grab Marsha's coffee, too. And just give it to her. Like, you know, like these lives that people are like, why do you do that? And it's not, it's not so that someone can reciprocate. Because if that's the case, don't do it. Ooh. It's just co- you can let God's love flow such a wild way, such a different way to live because you just are going to because you love God. And if they don't reciprocate, that's so it doesn't matter. If Mitchell Nielsen, if nothing crazy happens ever, it doesn't matter. We're going to be faithful to what God's given us. We're going to go love them. And I love, I love that. And God is telling me of that over and over and over. And I feel like I'm just wrestling in myself. Like, God, I want to be that person. I want to be that person that really cares about other people, that sits down and listens to someone that's hurting and sits down and listens to someone that's not, and they just want to spill the guts without me wandering off into no man's land. No one else does that here, right? But if we became a community that did that and that served one another, and in that book is what's so cool. If you, uh, it, it's called The Go-Giver, if anyone's there. Anybody ever read that book? It's a great book. Um, but in that, uh, oh, I think I just lost my train of thought. Well, dang it. Should have just kept going on that train. One. I'm going to count to five, and if I can't figure it out, no, I've lost it. Probably when we're worshiping, it'll come back, and then I'll come up and preach 15 more minutes at the end of the song. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But the beautiful, I guess I was going to say something along the lines of the beautiful thing about that is, is whenever we live those lives where we're not looking to have that reciprocation, we're amazed at what God does and how he provides, and, and it's, just, it's just awesome. Uh, worship team, y'all, I asked for a new song today, so if you love it, I asked for it. If you didn't, they probably screwed up playing it. (laughs) Just kidding, guys and gals. That was a joke. It's called On the Altar. Uh, uh, I love it. So I know we take some time to listen to the Spirit's voice. I felt like today, let's just listen why we're with this song. And if someone feels like they have something because we are a body, how are we participating? If God has something, is wanting to share something through you, um, there'll be that opportunity after we're done with this.